Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 203 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. The masses have spoken. So I've talked a lot of college hoops the last couple weeks, college football. The one thing I haven't done it with, the one thing I haven't done is done it with my man Nick Coffey, and my inbox has been flooded. Well, I got at least one person that was adamant that I needed to bring back Nick Coffey. Regardless, I've wanted to have him on. I'm happy to have him on. And Nick Coffey is here to talk a little college football. I'll wrap the show with some observations from Feast Week. But for the next whatever it is, half an hour, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, Nick Coffey has graced us with his presence, 790 KRD, 7 to 10 Eastern Louisville. Nick Coffey, my friend, it's been too long. What's up? Oh, well, I guess I can think it's probably a family member who gave you the one uh, the, the one message that my presence was missed on the show. But I've missed it a lot, too. But I have been I've been insanely, insanely wrapped up with so much stuff. Uh, and this is I'm getting this out of the way because uh, I'm not sure how many people care. But I've had uh, some family stuff uh, that has come up and uh, we have a new baby on the way. So the yes. family of three is expanding to four. That's going to happen. Uh, we got some time. It's going to happen late spring, but that's of course been a big thing for us. And and honestly, I'm sitting here thinking, what what's so busy when you find out you're having a baby? And I didn't realize that you know the wife wants to make sure we have the special announcement. We're already talking about the gender reveals, so that has kept me busy in the personal life. But of course, I've been busy doing my thing daily on 790 KRD with the morning show. It's been a fun football season, but as we sit here and get this started, Aaron, it, it, it's been a while. Like I, I, I'm sitting here trying to think back. I'm hearing you lead in the show and get us fired up, and of course, uh, I try to match your energy, which is hard to do, but I try my best, but hearing you lead us in sort of hit me, damn, it's been a minute. It has been far too long, and yeah, we used to we used to have you, for really, to start the show, you were on every episode. Then it kind of became Sunday night recap shows. And then as you got into the groove with the 7 to 10 Eastern window, it became less and less. It was funny. I was looking for some old clips, and I, I found, for something just unrelated, I found the episode after Chris Mack joined me, where you then joined me to recap the Chris Mack interview. And I said something to the effect of like, Oh, this is the second time in in the last week you've been on. We're you know we're getting this thing geared up for football season. You'll be on. <laughs> you'll be back every episode. And sure enough, I mean, I don't know if it's been. I, I don't know if it's been since the summer. I don't know if we've talked during football season. I honestly can't remember. It has been far too long. I will say first of all, congratulations uh, on baby number two. 
I, I did alert our audience as they were harassing me. And there really was, by the way, one commenter uh, on the, the, uh, the iTunes page where you can leave comments, ratings, and reviews that said, bring back coffee, less Torres, more coffee. So that really did happen. Uh, but I did alert the listeners that you, of course, are expecting baby number two. So congratulations. Uh, I am Thank still you, brother. We're yeah. happy. I've, I've not been able to hear the end of it from my audience because it didn't take long for people to to, uh, to time it out. And I, Aaron, you don't even know this. This Uh-oh. is probably a little too personal, but it's become a thing on my show that was unavoidable. Okay. But baby number two was conceived during the Christmas fantasy camp. What? Uh, you know, we I, I get out there and I'm playing ball like I'm a real Louisville basketball player. And, uh, it, you know, they put us up in the Omni for the weekend, and sure enough, uh, Mrs. Coffee's got another another bun in the oven. I, and, and apparently, Chris Maxton made aware of that. He's really freaked out. He's really uncomfortable about it. So I'm gonna wait till uh, I'm gonna wait to see what they do this season. Decide when I bring it up to him. That is unbelievable. It, it a little really disturbing. Definitely a little creepy. Um, but it's it, creepy. Like there's no way for me to talk to Mac about that without him thinking like, all right, I need to get like. I need to get my personal security to keep you the hell away from me. Yeah, it's called a restraining order, and we're going to have to fan- – uh, you talk about – by the way, talk about fantasy camp. Wow, that play- that lived up to its reputation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's no way this doesn't make me look like a creep. Like, there's just no way around it. And yet, we were talking about due dates, and my producer and some listeners, they just put it together, and they called me out, and I said, yeah, I have to, I have to honor it. It took place uh, that weekend. Wow. Well, congratulations. Uh, you know, again, uh, good luck covering the cards uh, when your press pass is going to be revoked any day now. Yeah, and I'm, getting, I'm getting weird looks from Mac now. It's, uh, it's, I think he knows that I'm a, I'm a weirdo. All right. Well, we'll move on from that. I, I should add, by the way, I hope everybody listening had a happy Thanksgiving. Nick, really quick, uh, any, any exciting comings and goings uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday? I know you were obviously involved with the, uh, you know, you were covering the, the Louisville-UK football game. We're actually, I actually do want to talk to you a little bit about that later, but outside of sure. covering sports, uh, what, 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 do you do anything fun for the holiday? Well, we had, um, we had a good, we had a normal Thanksgiving routine where we, we spend, it works out pretty well with most of her family. We do it the weekend before because they have so many things going on and then, we do my family's dinner in the afternoon, but we actually spend, so this started when my daughter was born. She's three. She'll be four in February. We go to Churchill Downs to do about four or five races, uh, and that's kind of how we start Thanksgiving. And then nope. uh, back at it on Friday, the day after, Black Friday, I was in Nashville for Louisville, Western Kentucky, which I know we're going to talk some college basketball maybe a little bit. Uh, if we don't do it now, I'm sure we'll do it at some point here soon. Um, but just Louisville knowing that, hey, as long as we don't screw up against Rick Stansbury here in Nashville, we're going to be the number one team. Um, so that was kind of a weird feeling to where they actually played well. They won. They covered the spread. They looked pretty good. But you could just tell they wanted to get this one out of the way because not only did they have it lined up to where they were going to be number one, but they got a team coming into town on Tuesday that may – I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not making this claim, but I understand why it's being made. Michigan might be deserving to be number one. So Friday was kind of weird. It was kind of a let's just get this over with kind of thing. But overall, Thanksgiving weekend was good. I did no Black Friday shopping, which is how I want to keep it. I'm more of a Cyber Monday guy, but uh, all things go. considered, had a good uh, had a good holiday. How about yourself? Uh, likewise, yeah, it was pretty low key. Uh, my family lives three thousand miles away. My wife's family, a couple of them had to go out of town, so her dad was around. He came over. We ate some turkey. I actually hosted Fox Sports Radio on Thanksgiving night, which was nice because the Cowboys were a complete train wreck, and we had something to talk about for four hours. I would add, really quick, I've had this thought, Nick, um, unrelated to Thanksgiving, but related to what you said. This information may be dated by the time people listen to this show, but 
I think there's at least the possibility, I don't think it's going to happen, that Michigan could jump all the way to number two in the polls based on the fact that so many of these teams, Duke has a loss, Michigan State lost again, Kentucky obviously has a loss. Michigan, of course, is undefeated with the wins over North Carolina and uh, who was it, Gonzaga. And I was thinking, imagine another number one versus number two matchup Tuesday night at the KFC Yum Center. To take it a step further, I would have to imagine, think about this, Imagine if it ends up being one versus two, Louisville versus Michigan in whatever order, and we had another one versus two, and for the second time it would be a school from Michigan versus a school from Kentucky, but not the same schools, all within a month. How crazy would that yeah, be? Yeah, I, I, I had not even thought of that. That's insane. Yeah, I hadn't. I, I haven't dropped that little nugget anywhere, uh, and it's possible that Michigan won't end up in the number one or number two spot. As a matter of fact, I would venture to guess that they won't, but... Um, I do think that that's just kind of an interesting subplot. By the way, I think the record for biggest leap from unranked into the top 25 was actually the year, a lot of people listening will remember this, that Kemba Walker was at UConn. They went to the Maui Invitational. They beat Michigan State and Kentucky. That was the year Kentucky had Brandon Knight and a couple other guys back-to-back. They went from like unranked to like number three or number four. I do think Michigan could make a similar leap, but... I want to talk some football here. So before we get started, reminder, everybody, you know the drill. Subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. Podcast Addict, if you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to uh, listen, subscribe, all that stuff. Also, rate and review. Give us a quick five stars, unless you're like the person who chimed in and said that you need more Nick Coffee. You can also give us five stars and say you want more coffee back on this show. But make sure to rate and review the show. Instagram. I love that guy here. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I will give you his iTunes handle, and it's on you to track him down. Also, uh, young yeah. friend. Yeah, it will be, be great to, to track him down, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I was going to say, he can also just reach out to you, or she, I don't know if it's a female, reach out to you and say, hey, I, I need I, you owe me that beer, uh, whatever. Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. By the way, Nick Coffey, don't have any final details yet, but the weekend of the CBS Sports Classic in Vegas, I think we're doing an AT Sports podcast get-together, so... I will have some details on the back end of this show after Nick Coffee awesome. leaves. Nick, you're invited. I'm just saying, you know, if if you want to make a <laughs> if you want to make a run for it before baby number two pops out and you just want to disappear for a weekend, you are invited. But Vegas, December 20th, the day before the Ohio State game, I do think we'll be doing something. I got about 12, 15 people say they want to come. Nick, if you want to come, I'm just telling you, I'm gonna have some details on the back end of the show. So. Don't you don't you tease me with a good time because I have a, a bunch of friends that are making that trip, and if they could somehow shack me up, it's not unthinkable. December twentieth, you say? So yes, yeah. First of all, I love this. This is amazing. Um, yes, the CBS Sports Classic is December twenty first, which is the Saturday before Christmas, and that Friday. I will be doing a get-together. I will have, I'll mention it on the back end of the show, guys. I will have all the final details, hopefully, by the end of this week. But I have mentioned to people listening to this show, if you want to be involved, just figure out a way to get in touch with me. You can email me at AaronTorresPodcastQuestions at gmail.com. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter via DM, Instagram via DM. But we're going to have drink specials, apps, all that kind of stuff. 
and we might get an appearance by Nick Coffee. So Nick, yes, it would be December 20th, the Friday before the game, happy hour-ish time, and you should swing out, man. You should swing out. Well, it, all I'm saying is as of this point, as of December 1st, it's not been shot down. Okay, I like it. It's uh, it's like the old, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the Spygate reports of uh, what, what was the term that they used to use is that it's more likely than not that uh, you may be there. You know, we'll just use a couple of double negatives to say that if you want to be there, Nick Coffee may be there as well. It's funny. I had actually my, my, my brain's just working crazy right now because I just know I've, I've had to travel so much in the last. I've, I've traveled more in the last uh, month and a half, two months than I have maybe as far as consistently doing it than, than ever. And I've got New York coming up in a couple of weeks from Louisville Place, Texas Tech. So That's right. I've been going. I've been tasked with this new ability to book things, and of course, fit a budget. So I'm always challenging myself to find trips that can fit within a budget. But I just know that the, there's a, there's a flight. There's two airlines that go out of Louisville to Vegas that have never made it more cheap than they have uh, in recent years. So that's that's kind of where I'm at now. And again, I know I have a place to stay. So. I'd be lying to say that it's that it's, it's uh, promising, but it's not. It's not dead. Okay, I like it. By the way, that game, uh, Louisville Texas Tech, as great as that is, the undercard of Indiana UConn. I, listen, we got to get to football. I'm just saying, <laughs> UConn. I think, and I talked about it on this show last week. I think they've actually turned a corner, and I'm not saying they'll make the tournament, but they've already beaten Florida. They took Xavier to double overtime. That's a team. I'm just saying. You you give me the scouting report when you see them in person, but they are also playing that day, and I think they could be pretty good. Well, just to humor you for a second before we get to football, what's the name of the guard who decided he wanted to take all the shots early in that holiday tournament? Like, just imagine they were sharing the ball; they would have beaten Xavier no troubles. His name is Altariq Gilbert, and I will tell you That's this: right, I know. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big player. But I mean, come on, Nick Coffey, uh, your boy Dan Hurley was not happy after that game because there was a lot of social media backlash over Altari Gilbert and that he cost them the game. Basically, he said fans know what the hell they're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. The typical, listen, and I get it. Coach is going to defend his players, all that stuff. But, yeah, I, I listen, UConn had that game won. It was one of the cra- – it was actually one of the legitimately craziest games I've ever seen because – awesome game to watch. It was because UConn had the game won – it went to overtime. You don't even know how Xavier got it to overtime. Then UConn played awful in overtime and still somehow forced double overtime. They had the lead with like 30 seconds to go. They ended up losing. But you will see the Huskies in person in a few weeks. I'm excited. Uh, as we record here Sunday afternoon, I'm actually going to see the Arizona Wildcats play uh, here in California this evening. So I'm excited to get there. I do want to talk a little football, though. We'll hit on a couple topics. I mentioned the Commonwealth uh, trophy that was given to Kentucky following that win. I do want to talk a little Harbaugh. I think I actually have something interesting that really hasn't been talked about. I do want to start with the Iron Bowl, Nick. It was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Final score, 48-45, Alabama losing to Auburn. Last-minute field goal gets, gets uh, you know, hits the cross, or hits the upright. There were two pick sixes for Auburn. Um, it was just insane, but my biggest takeaway, and you can take this wherever you want, and we can circle back to my biggest takeaway, was I really thought that Alabama, I thought unless there was absolute chaos, I thought their their argument to be the fourth best team and the fourth team in the college football playoff was pretty thin. This obviously eliminated it, but I think that, pro- that, that, that game proved beyond a reasonable doubt that 
Alabama's a great program, this incredible juggernaut, but they were nowhere close to a team that was worthy of the playoff this year. So my initial reaction is, my goodness, why does this game always deliver? Yes. This, this Iron Bowl is just such a thrilling game. I mean, obviously there have been some outcomes that have been more thrilling than others, but more often than not, man, it's just a fun game to watch. It, there's crazy things that happen. We all remember the kick, the kick six. Um, but I'm just happy Alabama lost, not because I'm anti-Alabama and I think that they're given some, you know, unfair treatment, which, I mean, we can have that conversation. But I just, I think it was kind of obvious this year. And, with, and the reason for this is LSU's win. I don't know the final score, but I think it was around six points. LSU was a lot better than Alabama yes. if you watched that game. And Alabama's not a bully like they've been before. And I mean, this is another conversation, I guess, that can be had, is that last year when they got humbled and humiliated by Clemson, there were some that said, hey, Saban's not what he once was. He's taking a step back. And, you know, when you take a step back from being so much more dominant, I mean, probably going to be the best coach of all time as far as what he's accomplished. It's not as if they're bad, but they're not what they once were. And I think that was shown this year, even when Tua was there and he was healthy. And, of course, I just – I'm happy they lost because I didn't want to have to entertain the thought. Because if they would yes. have been able to sneak out a win late in that game and it was closed, I think just the fact that they were in a fight like that would show that they're not what they once Agreed. were. And, again, we're talking about that fourth spot. And when you talk about other teams that are in line potentially for that fourth spot, they're also not scary teams that are being held at the same standard as Alabama. I just – and this may, this may sound foolish, but this has been my mindset for the last couple of weeks. I just don't want to hear about Alabama without Tua. I, I don't think that they should, they belong. They're not a team that I think we can say is one of the four best teams in the country without him playing. And that may sound foolish because again, if their results, their resume would say so, then you know who's to say you should keep them out. But I will admit I was I was entertained by what I saw, but I was happy they lost. See, I'm in the exact same boat. I'm in the exact same boat. And what what really kind of I I, I was thinking even during that game. This is proof that this is not one of the top four teams in college football right now because you look at just the fact how successful Auburn was, and look, I know they returned two pick sixes for a touchdown. The offense itself didn't put up 48 points, but this was a team that basically got shut down by Florida, got shut down by by Georgia, struggled for most of the game against Oregon, but you also kind of saw on the horizon this argument coming and you could see people on TV screaming and you could see fans on Twitter yelling at, you know, a guy like me who like I don't know how you can look at an Alabama and say they're one of the four best teams in college football. And it's funny because I'll even give credit. I've had my buddy Ryan Fowler, who's a radio host in Tuscaloosa on this show a few times, and like he's been saying since September, October that Tua's really covered up a lot of warts for this team, but it's like you said, it was kind of when Oregon lost last week, that's when I kind of sat there and, and, and I just could see into the future, put looked into my crystal ball, and I just saw myself arguing with, uh, with Alabama fans and SEC fans of like, yeah, but they, they have the best loss. It was to LSU, and they beat Auburn, and, it, and, and I could just see it coming if it ended up being Alabama versus Utah or Alabama versus Oklahoma or Alabama versus Baylor for that final spot. I am, of course, by the way, assuming that uh, Georgia will lose to LSU this weekend in the SEC championship game, but I could see that argument coming, and I knew like it was going to break my brain to have to explain to people, I know you play in the SEC. I know you have that crimson A on your helmet or on your jersey. 
but you guys aren't Alabama that is, uh, you know, you're not worthy. You're not one of the top four teams in the country. And if all hell breaks loose and everybody loses once or twice more, then yeah, maybe you get in as the four spot, but you're not going to win once you get there. And so I really thought once Tua was officially out for the season, I didn't think there was any argument to be made that this was a legitimate team that could go to the playoff and win games. So like you said, I'm just glad that I don't have to have that argument for the next two weeks, specifically at this time next Sunday, uh, because I just know I would have, and it would have hurt my head, and now we can move on to whoever else ends up getting that fourth spot. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing is, the, like if Georgia, I mean, yeah, you're right, they're likely to lose to LSU, and that will settle everything. But I can't I can't sit here and tell you that Georgia is, is better than Alabama substantially, because I think Georgia is the team that, despite their one loss being South Carolina, and yes, South Carolina is not a good team, Georgia just hasn't really passed the eye test in like the first month of college football. So it, I, I, I keep going back and forth with myself about Bama thinking, okay, well, am I only saying this because I'm holding Bama to their standard, which is not fair to them. I mean, they've been so dominant in most years that, you know, for them to be down, they may, they may be the third best team in the country, but they're not what they once were, and that's not really their fault. But I, the way the game played out against Auburn kind of shows that, yeah, this team just to be Auburn's fine, and I have no I mean, In fact, Gus on you put it out there on Twitter over the weekend, just it's bizarre how he's good for a random loss to a team he doesn't necessarily deserve to lose to, but he's had his team ready to play, even when they haven't won. They were ready to play against Alabama and Nick Saban, which most teams haven't. So um, I, I think it's played out pretty – as far as what I want to see in the playoffs, the only thing that's happened thus far, and this is random, but I won't I'll admit it, I've been a Minnesota guy. Mm. I think they're great and, and worthy. I just wanted to see them shake it up because how random would that be if they were to get in the Big Ten Championship, win the game, and then I think they would have had an argument to be the best team as, with the one loss. Now, that's all for nothing because they lost to Wisconsin. But as far as Bama, I've been trying to look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, am I just being a hater? Like, am I just yeah. tired of Bama like I was the Golden State Warriors? But I don't think I am. I think this year it's worked out to where, although I may sound like a hater to those in Tuscaloosa, I think those were the straight teams that say this Bama is not on the level of a Ohio State and LSU and a Clemson who whooped their ass last year. And yes, I know we all want to laugh off Clemson because they played in the bad ACC, which is true. But you know they turn it on. There, there's you know, Clemson hasn't necessarily looked in any way like what they looked like in the playoff last year. But I also feel like you know all they can do is play who's on their schedule, and they 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 they've taken care of this. Yeah, we'll get to Clemson in a minute, but but I, I totally agree, and it's the same thing. And 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 I even I think I I'm probably said this on last Sunday's episode is that I I think you know outside of a guy named Feinbaum and a guy named uh, you know whoever I, I think I've been about as pro Bama as as anybody in the media over the last six seven eight years. I I love it. I, well, I one thing you one thing you 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 brought attention to those that got used to Tua being Tua and you remind people that this is not normal. He's insanely good. Dude, this is that this was my big like uh platform this year was just we got so t- you know and and I, I I think you were on when we talked about this last, but people got so tired of you know, people get so tired of the same conversations, right? And we do this in all sports. Like I hate to say it, dude but your guy is now that guy in the NFL and that's Lamar Jackson right like we got we got we 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 loved Patrick Mahomes last year and now we just got tired of talking about Patrick Mahomes so now it's like well if you had to build a franchise it's got to be Lamar like it's not even a debate and if you if you think otherwise then you're an idiot and it's like 
well, Lamar's really good, but like Patrick Mahomes is really good. Why can't they both just be really good? And that's kind of what I feel like happened in college football this year when Jalen Hurts was hot, was was off to such a hot start. Joe Burrow, obviously not only hot, but has sustained it. Is like everyone just like took that as like open season on like, well, two is overrated or whatever. It's like, no, dude, he was completing like 76% of his passes. Um, He's just insane. And obviously, look, you know, something I'm sure you've talked about on your show. I've obviously talked about on this show. Obviously, I hope he's healthy going forward. But no, he was an incredible college football player. And I, I, I just, I think we've kind of come full circle on Bama. It's nothing against them. I have not been anti-Bama by any stretch of the imagination. I do not personally have Bama fatigue, but they are not one of the four best teams in the country. I will say, to your point, Minnesota would have been really fun. I love P.J. Fleck. Um, I think he's awesome. I was actually, frankly, hoping they would win against Wisconsin because that would mean they would go to the Rose Bowl. I could probably get to a few press conferences there, maybe even to the game. And instead, it looks like they're not going to really quick. So we're down to to three. It feels like locks. People were saying if Clemson loses, maybe they would be on on the outside looking in. I don't buy that. Um, I think Ohio State, LSU, Clemson in some order are in. And it's basically going to come down to with with assuming Georgia loses, they're out. Alabama is out. Oregon is out after last week. If Utah wins, they're in. If Oklahoma wins, they're in. If Baylor wins, they have a really strong argument. Who do you think will get that fourth spot? Who do you want to get that fourth spot? That's a good one, man. I uh, there's a part of me that just leans. Give me Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma. Let's see what they do. Their offense is is I mean under under Lincoln Riley, which maybe is last year. I saw the report earlier today that he's become real chummy with uh, Jerry Jones. It doesn't mean he's going to take the job, but that's a lot of speculation. Um, but I lean there, and then also I want to see what a Pac-12 team would do. It's been a while since I think we had one that we felt like could really, you know, um, I don't want to say, you know, I think we would all agree with think they would be behind the other teams we're talking about here with, with Ohio State and LSU and, uh, and Clemson. But what, what Utah has done, Utah has, I think, they've, I think they've put it up to where not only the wins, the way they're winning, I think, is, is yep. worthy of attention. And honestly, I I, 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 I kind of like the thought, and this is not a knock on Utah. We have a lot of Utah listeners, but like this would be one of those kind of random teams that get in, and I always kind of like that. And look at what I said about Minnesota. I'm rooting for Minnesota, lean from just liking their whole, you know, PJ. I think PJ Flex just a great. He's a good salesman, and uh, I, I appreciate what he's done there. It took him a little longer than maybe some would have expected to get him to where they were really good, but then they got really good out of nowhere and became a playoff contender. So, um, those are the two that stand out to me. I don't really just Georgia to me. And again, maybe I'll be proven wrong. They beat LSU, and it's all for nothing because that would knock LSU out. That would certainly punch Georgia's ticket. But Georgia to me just has an eye test look like they were worthy. So I, I, the two teams that I would like to see in that four spot, my, you know, uh, just to kind of shake things up, I like to thought of Oklahoma because I think in a way they could maybe give some teams some trouble, even if they're not great defensively. But then again, Utah. I kind of they, they would give us hope for the team that nobody talked about yet. Damn, they're good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I so selfishly, I actually did pick Utah in the preseason to make the college football playoff. Uh, hate to brag, but that is that's a, right. I remember that. That, that. that might have been the last time we we talked. I do remember you saying that. You yeah. and there was one other person I know that had that, and you two were the only people I know of. Yeah, I think Cole Kublick from uh, SEC Network might have had it too. Who's uh, 
really good, and I think he, he's not afraid to, to mix things up either. I, I actually got to know him a little bit the last year or so. He also went on take North Carolina State to make it. Well, that's why, and that's why I like him because, you know, he's like an <laughs> AT. Like, you know, my whole not thing. not afraid to put his name on it. Well, dude, and this is my whole thing, and you and I have talked about this a million times on the show, but, you know, like one thing about me is, you know, I just say how I really feel, and sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes I look crazy, sometimes I look brilliant. I'm the guy that picked Auburn to make the Final Four in the preseason last year in basketball. And people said I was crazy then, and I wasn't. And so I just respect him because, like, when you're a national voice like that, it's so easy to just go, uh, yeah, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Like, and it'll probably end up working out for you. But, you know, like, you know, like when you go so off, off script, it does create. Uh, a day or two worth of news cycle and you know people all up in your mentions telling you you're an idiot and so I think most people in the media um, go against taking like really like crazy stances because they don't want to deal with people telling them that they're crazy and all that stuff so anyway I give him credit and selfishly I want Utah I'll tell you I think it's going to be a little bit of an interesting conversation I think it'll be a little too convenient for the committee to jump Oklahoma if they beat Baylor a second time. I'm not saying they would. I do think it would be convenient. But I listen, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know if LSU or Utah, excuse me, is the fourth best team in college football. But what I can tell you, like you said, Nick, they are beating the you-know-what out of everybody they play. I don't care if I don't care if the Pac-12 is down, but if you look at the teams that they've beaten the last month, most of them are teams that are that are going to go to bowl games, that are decent teams. None of them are great. I get it. But if they beat Oregon pretty convincingly, I think it'd be hard to keep them out. But I could also see Oklahoma potentially jumping them as well just because of the name brand recognition. They would have two wins over Baylor. So we will see anything else on either the Iron Bowl or um, or the, the fourth playoff spot before we move on. The only thing I would say is that with with Oklahoma, I don't think we think of them even as much as we thought of them when they had, I agree. you know, Kyler Murray and Baker. Therefore, I if it gets down to where it's literally neck and neck, give me something different. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. That's just me. You know, that doesn't mean that's right. It's just me, uh, you know, as far as my rooting interest, as far as entertainment value, I would lean. If it's neck and neck, give me Utah. Yeah, and and it's funny because like I don't know if that works for or against a team. Like I do think, for example, um, like last year Ohio State didn't get in, and it was because they've made the playoff a couple times now and lost pretty badly. And so yeah. I like I don't know if that would work against Oklahoma, but I I do think that the one thing that I would say is I know that there's been a lot of talk about trying to rebuild the defense, but I don't think the offense is as good as it's been with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, and the defense still isn't good. And so to me, what I would say is this, is that we'll have to see, and we all know that that fifth spot is going to come down to probably, frankly, who looks better next weekend. If Oklahoma beats Baylor 49-14, to it's a lot different than if they win 47-44. Um, but like, I, I, I get Oklahoma has the name brand recognition, but I do think you're right that it could work against them potentially that they, um, that they've struggled in this playoff, not even struggle, but that they haven't won a game the last two years. Also, um, I wouldn't feel bad just because like, I don't think they're a team that's good enough to win it. And I'm not saying Utah is, but for that reason, I wouldn't have a problem leaving Oklahoma out because it's like, like you said, at least give us something new and we've kind of seen this Oklahoma song and dance before, as you just said. And it's like, dude, they're not going to beat 
Ohio State and LSU in back-to-back games or Ohio State and Clemson in back-to-back games. Like, it's not going to happen. So if they were left out, I have no problem. That's also, by the way, why I'm just like staunchly against expanding the playoff is we're adding games for the sake of adding games. We're not adding teams that can actually win the whole thing. So that's a little bit of a... not agree more. Yeah, that's a little bit of a random topic. I think I might have hit on it one of these previous shows, but I, I like... If you're a you know Pac-12 fan and you just want to see one of your teams in it, that's one thing. But we're not adding teams that can actually win the whole thing. So, all right. If, 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 if there would, and I know we're going to move on, but if there would have been an 18 playoff or a 16, even a I don't know, whatever, however, whatever you'd want to add, the the LSU and the season would have meant nothing. It would have given one team the edge, but it would not have had any impact because it wouldn't have hurt either team's resume enough to put them outside the playoffs. And I love games in October that matter that much. 100%. I think you could probably make the same case for Penn State, Ohio State. Penn State would probably yeah. still be in the mix. you know. And so it, it, I, I totally agree. And people would say, well, you know, Ohio State, like, and I think they're right, is if Ohio State had lost uh, to Michigan, then it Ohio State would still make the playoff if they had won the, the Big Ten championship game. And so maybe that game is a little bit, quote unquote, less meaningless. But no, I, I agree. It's just in general, these games mean more. They feel bigger. And yeah, like even if Alabama had lost yesterday, I don't know that they would have missed the playoff. If Georgia loses the SEC championship, and then it becomes one of those things, right? And I don't mean to go off on a, on a playoff expansion tangent, but like I don't think this would happen, at least not right away. But if you have an eight team playoff, and you're LSU or Georgia, and you or Ohio State might be the better example because Justin Fields got a little banged up, and you know that there's no way you could fall out of the top eight. I'm not saying it happens, but you know what happens if a team's clinched a top four seed and they're going to get a home game or whatever, and they just start sitting players for conference championship games. So the, the only point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of underlying stuff that people don't everyone just thinks bigger is better but there's a lot of underlying stuff that would i think be hurt and ruined by a 18 playoff let's move on uh, i do want to talk ohio state michigan look by now we know the drill ohio state smoked michigan um and it was it was just another disappointing day for the harbaugh regime in michigan they lost to the better team it was kind of one of those crazy games. I posted a little excerpt on my YouTube channel, but like it was one of those crazy games where I think Michigan fans came in knowing like this probably isn't our year. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's it's 6 nothing and it's 14-13 and they're right in the game. And then Michigan did the thing that they always do in these big games, which is they shot themselves in the foot, fumbled in the red zone going in to tie the game. Then they have an offsides on a punt, which gives Ohio State a first down. They score to go up 28-13, and all of a sudden the game's basically over. But of course, what ended up happening is that it led to the predictable, you know, Harbaugh's not the answer, Harbaugh's a disaster, blah, 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 this and that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, volley it over to you, Nick, but I would just say really quick, um, I don't know, what, what, go take it where you want. My my only thing is, I don't, I don't know, just just... What, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Maybe specifically on Harbaugh, because I'm just sitting here saying, like, I get that he's not winning these big games, and I get that he's, he's being paid to win these big games. But I also think, like, the idea, like, I saw, you know, and this is a guy I like, but, like, my buddy Barrett Salee from, from CBS Sports was like, well, if any other 
coach lost to his rival five times in a row, he'd be fired. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, we can have the conversation that Jim Harbaugh needs to win more big games, but let's not act like he's not winning 10 games every single year at Michigan. Two things. One, it's the same exact conversation that was had last year, maybe the year before as well, where he's not nearly, he's not bad by any means, but Michigan has this expectation from decades and decades and decades ago to be the best of the best, and they're clearly a ways behind their rival. And I think the the, the mindset, the, the the vibe going into this game kind of told them that is that they, they knew they weren't really as good as Ohio State this year. They knew that. Um, and just, so he, Harbaugh has been much better than what they had beforehand. He's been consistently good to where they are a consistently good program. They just are looking in the mirror as far as standards, and I don't think they're there yet, but they may be there where the Tennessees and the Nebraskas are, where they just have to realize we are never going to be what we once were. I mean, Harbaugh, I said one of two. The second thing I would put on there, he is an example why you don't want to over-deliver, or you don't want to over-promise. And I don't know is how much he's to blame for the hype and the sizzle that was there when he got hired, but it was there. And and the fact that they've been good but not elite and ever really been a legitimate national championship contender, that you know, that that that's why I think that it just feels underwhelming. But if you look at the numbers, you look at where they were beforehand, the failures they had leading that program with Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, anybody who would just evaluate him based off of data would say this guy's done a phenomenal job. But we all know it's bigger than that at Michigan. And I don't know if Michigan's ever going to end up being a program that will, um, you know, I don't think they'll ever end up being like a team that just is consistently losing every year. But as far as like thinking, hey, it's our year, we're going to win the national championship. I mean, Harbaugh's the reason you're still good now. I mean, you don't live in recruiting base has never mattered more than it does now. Yep. And Michigan forever lived off of what they did. You know, 50 years ago in the tradition, and it still means a lot. The big house is still a thing. They have a brand, but, you, you know, you, I don't think you could – I guess what I'm saying here is I don't know if there's a coach out there that you could go get that would really instantly give you much better than what you're getting with Hardball, which kind of puts him in a tough situation because, again, I, I think he also was, was a part of the hype being what it was and sure. the expectations being what they were. But regardless, the fans just feel underwhelmed. And, and, and if I'm a Michigan fan, I can't say I wouldn't be in their shoes. Yet again, if I'm being level-headed, he's not done a bad enough job to lose. He loses his job. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, 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 that's you, you summed it up really perfectly. And, like, this is one where, and I, sometimes you and I have had this conversation, right? Like, our job is to, like, you got to have a strong opinion. Like, this is good or this is bad. This guy sucks or this guy's awesome. And it's one where I do see both sides to the argument and I get the I don't even know if it's only I think it's more it's one of those crazy deals where I think mostly within the fan base like yeah there's a lot of people that are like you know we got to win national championships but there's a lot of people that it's exactly what you said Nick they remember being five and seven under Brady Hoke they remember getting smoked by Minnesota and whoever Michigan State and Wisconsin and like I think there's a big portion of that fan base that's still like, you know what, this this really isn't that bad. 
Um, and I actually think it's one of those deals where I think it's more the national media. It's and these guys are my friends. Clay Travis goes after Jim Harbaugh nonstop. Barrett Salee goes after Jim Harbaugh nonstop. And I get their argument, which is you don't pay a coach nine million dollars a year uh, to to finish second in your division, to not go to a Big Ten conference, to not even to not win conference championships, and not even at the very least compete for playoff berths. When you pay a coach $9 million a year, you expect him to compete with other $9 million a year coaches, which is Dabo, which is whoever. There's not many, but the point is that upper echelon of coaches. And so I get that argument. What I would also say, Nick, is what you said. I don't think people realize that Michigan football really hasn't had the success that I think the outside fan thinks, okay? So I looked this up and I was stunned by this. They won, Michigan last won a national championship in 1997, so that's already 22 years ago. That was a split national champion, and that was back in the day where the the polls determined who the champion was. Everybody played in a different bowl game. There was no BCS. There was no college football playoff. For anybody under 25, their mind's probably blown right now, but literally within the last 20 years, the poll determined who the national champion was at the end of the year. We get the BCS. We get the college football playoff. Before the split national championship in 1997, their last national championship, Nick, was 1948. 1948. They've won one half of one national championship in the last 70 years. And so I kind of had this thought this morning, which is this is probably about as good as it gets for, for Michigan. Like, like yeah, maybe Ohio State's down or maybe whatever, and you get to 12-0 and and you get to the college football playoff. Maybe whatever. But uh, having a guy who's winning 10 games every year, and if they, and by the way, they win their bowl game, whatever bowl game it is, they will go 10-3. and It will be the fourth time in five years Jim Harbaugh has won 10 games at Michigan. And as I said on Twitter... There are probably 120 programs that would trade that level of success that Michigan has had under Harbaugh. Uh, I'm thinking Maybe more than that. Yeah, I'm like I'm just thinking about like a Nebraska. Nebraska just missed a bowl game for a third straight season. Tennessee, I believe, missed the last two seasons. Arkansas is a. I mean, you go historic programs that are just mired in USC would kill for ten for ten win seasons. So. I only bring it up because I'm just rambling now, but I see both sides, but I also kind of am leaning towards, I'm not making excuses for Jim Harbaugh, but I'm kind of leaning towards like, is this about as good as it's ever going to get for Michigan? No, I, 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 that may be the harsh reality for him because one, if it was Harbaugh doing it, I'd wonder what the reaction would be. He's a victim of his own success and his own brand. But if he just, I mean, he could have lost maybe four more games, five more games in the last few years if it meant he somehow got two against Ohio State. That's a huge part of this, too. I mean, getting on by your rival, I mean, Rick Pitino was super successful at Louisville, but he could not beat John Calipari. Great point. Now, he mustered up two wins total in the eight to nine years they went against each other, but Rick Pitino was also still a really successful coach. And, you know, it just, it, it was hard to, it just, the rival factor is certainly in play here because if you're averaging 10 wins, I really don't care who you are. I think even the best of the best would not move on from coach. But not only have they lost to the rival, in most instances, 
to get able to line up on that last Saturday of the season on holiday rivalry weekend and see that Ohio State's got a gap between them and Michigan. And I think that just leads it to where there's just no scenario where they Honestly, and, and this may sound insane, these two teams played in the third week of the season. It'd still be a bummer that you lost. But the fact that you end your season with the, with the knowing, hey, we might get to 10 this year, but damn, we're still way behind Ohio State, that, that that's salting the wound. Sure. No, and it, it and it's right. And the other thing too is, it's right before the conference championship week. And I think this is now the third year in a row Ohio State is going to the Big Ten championship, and uh, they've at the very least been in the playoff conversation every year. And so, I, yeah, like I get it, and like Michigan fans want that. And I, I think you're right. It being on the last weekend of the season sucks because. There's been a few times where Michigan, uh, I, I, I specifically remember Harbaugh's second year, which is when they lost on the kind of bogus, uh, there was a really bad spot actually, um, uh, like a like a, a fourth down was overturned to a first down and they ended up losing the game. But like, you know, if that happens in week two, you can still potentially recover. You don't know what's going to happen with Ohio State, but because it's the last weekend of the season, it does suck. So I, so. I get all that. I, you know, I really don't have much on Harbaugh. Uh, Michigan's, uh, excuse me, Ohio State's awesome. But I also just think, like, I think right now, I still think from everything I've heard, like, Michigan fans kind of get it. Like, it sucks, but guess what? Our rival is playing at a historic level right now. I don't know where we're going to be two, three, four years from now. All I would say is I've been watching this sport long enough to remember Tennessee fans running out full Phil Fulmer after he was winning eight, nine, ten games a year. I know he struggled in his final season. Uh, Mark Rick at Georgia, Mac Brown at Texas. Sometimes it works out well for the school. I think it's it's probably worked out better for Georgia, but not for Texas, not for Tennessee, schools like that. So it's just going to be an interesting couple years to see like if he can't get over this team because I do think like the thing was, right, oh, well, Ohio State has one of the best coaches in the history of the sport, Urban Meyer, but to lose to his disciple, to lose to a guy in his first season, that adds another layer to it. But I also, like I said, I, I do just kind of wonder, is this Michigan, like is this just kind of who they are, and is this just kind of like, yeah, take your 10 wins and be really happy. Be happy that you beat, by the way, he has a winning record against Penn State, he's got a winning record against Michigan State, they've been the second best conference, second best team in this conference since he's gotten there, but uh, you know, maybe it's just not in the cards right now to beat Ohio State because they're rolling. Uh, anything else on this one? No, I just it, it, it is a this this specific conversation is the perfect reminder where you anybody who is to claim you don't worry about what your rivals do, you do. This and this proves to where they can't be satisfied with what they're doing with because it matters what's happening down the road. It does. All right. Speaking of down the road, speaking of rivals, give me the scoop on this situation with Kentucky LSU or Kentucky Louisville. Uh, there was some other stuff that happened yesterday, but basically. We all know how it's going to go down. Like I said, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU are all pretty much in the playoff. They'll play this weekend. We'll preview those games later in the week. But I did want to hit you because you happen to be on this show. You're a good person to speak to about this the situation with Louisville and uh, Kentucky. Kentucky wins the Commonwealth uh, Trophy. They win the big rivalry game. They, for the seventh week in a row started a converted wide receiver at running back I think it's honestly I know they're your big rival and I know you're probably not happy about it today I think it's one of the coolest stories in college football that Lynn Bowden just basically Kentucky just basically completely changed who they were halfway through the season and ended up going five and two down the stretch we'll get back to that in a minute uh, I know there was a little uh, to do at the end of the game 
give uh, the listener just the understanding of what happened, and then we can uh, kind of wrap here. Yeah, so Kentucky, you know, they won the game. They went in close. They got they, they were they were dominant from start to finish. Really, I mean, even late in the second quarter, Louisville got a little bit of a of a late touchdown in that second quarter that made it closer, gave you some hope. But Kentucky was dominant. They were dominant on the in the trenches, both sides of the ball. But really quick, did I they, mess you know, up the, the, the rivalry? Is it not called the Commonwealth Cup or the Commonwealth Trophy? It's the Governor's Cup. Oh, I'm an idiot. And so Kentucky. You know, they, they claim the Governor's Cup once again. It's going to stay in Lexington. And, um, you know, Louisville, I, you know, I guess to, to get to the game itself, Louisville had no reason to not feel good about their chances. But they also, this year, every now and then, you'll have a, 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 a game or a moment or a play that just reminds you they're coming off a two-in season and they're not, you know, where they need to be long-term. But they've had that's that that injection of Scott Satterfield really getting them turned around, and that's been a good story too in college football. The fact that they've been able to have the biggest turnaround in, in Power Five football. They were defeated last year, didn't win an ACC game, and they went five and three this year, which is the second best record. I'm sorry, the third best record in the league, and they happen to beat the team with the best record, or the second best record in the league. So. Um, Louisville just had a, a, a season that was probably just insanely successful that just doesn't make sense. And Kentucky has a lot more proven bodies. Um, and, and Mark Stoops has been there five, seven, seven years now, I think, to where he's got guys that are just, you know, um, you know, developed and he brings in some talent. He's done a great job there at getting Kentucky football to where they are. And Lynn Bowden is that dynamic of a playmaker to where you simply, you know, you know what he's going to do, but good luck getting sized up against him and trying to bring him down. And the matchup was bad. Louisville actually had, you know, two better wins than Kentucky had. We're speaking of Kentucky. There was no way to prove they weren't good, but what they were doing when Bowden had come against bad teams, didn't mean they weren't successful and that it wasn't impressive, but you didn't really know what to make of it. Their best win going into the game was against Missouri, who finished five and seven and fired their head coach. And Louisville had beaten an ACC team that was, you know, ACC is looked at as the worst league of all time, and I get it, but I think it's also exaggerated. Louisville beat Lake Forest and, and Virginia, who, you know, were solid teams this year. They didn't prove they were better than Kentucky, and clearly they weren't. They got their ass kicked. But I think it made sense to think Louisville could do some big playmaking and keep it close. We knew their defense was going to struggle, but Kentucky's defense is the one that stepped up and said, hey, yeah, we played Sandy, UT Martin, Missouri, in Tennessee as of late, but that doesn't mean we're not so impressive because they were Louisville has to be playmakers, but they just couldn't do anything. So it was a bummer for a rivalry game to where it felt like early in the third quarter it was already over and Kentucky could name the score. And Kentucky, you know, their thing, uh, it's, it's, it was weird. It's, it's more of a basketball, it's more of a football thing than basketball thing, which is weird because Louisville actually, for the most part, has had the edge of this football rivalry in the last decade, whereas Kentucky has owned Louisville in basketball. But the L's down is the gesture made by Kentucky fans, Kentucky players have no problem with it. I mean, I get why they do it. It's a rivalry. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, doesn't bother me because I get why they do it. Normally they do it when they have opportune time to do so. But Scott Satterfield uh, did not have good timing because uh, he went to shake hands with Mark Stoops. And anybody listening that is remotely close to our area knows what we're talking about. And, you know, he did the hell's down thing to Stoops. And, and, and what I was told, I wasn't there. I heard a post game show. I was told by WDRB and Louisville TV station, as well as WOKY, those that were there with their cameras, including our own Will Clark, who works with me in the building in our Louisville, that Stu, that, that what got Satterfield upset was not that the players were doing that during the game, but as the two sides were walking to shake hands, a player 
ran up in front of, of Scott Satterfield to do it to him. And that I do think is different than a player doing it after a touchdown or after an interception. Either way, no matter how you do it, if you bitch about an opponent celebrating after they whooped your ass, there's just no way you're going to look good. And I would tell that to Scott's face. Um, but his reaction made it look worse than I think it actually was. I don't think he was mad they were doing it in general. I think as he's looking to shake the opposing coach's hand and say good game, he didn't like that a player walked up to him in that in that moment. And that's not, I mean, that's not a knock at Mark Stoops because that's sort of been their brand. I mean, they had players throwing trash cans at Louisville after Louisville beat them in Lexington a couple of years ago. So um, it was an, uh, it was a non-eventful game. Kentucky was better. They dominated Louisville. Had a good year in year one. There's no way to really to to to, to say that they didn't. Now, how good they are is still up in the air. Because the defense is suspect, and the fan and the ACC is bad, and that was a factor in Louisville winning seven games like they did. But uh, I just wish we had more juice to that game because. Kentucky was pretty much just the better team from start to finish. And, you know, I want one side to win in this rivalry. I also want something good to talk about. And um, even in Kentucky, I think, would agree that, you know, they got bored with it after a while. They were that much better. So I know you kind of touched on this. Do you think the coach was being a little little too much? Because the only reason I ask is, you know, rivalry games, they can get testy. There can be fights. There can be whatever. Uh, you know, L's down is like horns down to me. Uh, you lose the game, yeah. you kind of got just got to take it on the chin, no? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think he'd have to, and he, he somehow he wasn't asked about it, which really surprised me. Cause that, I guess maybe that picked up so much momentum via the internet before those that were in front of him with their microphones and their cameras, because, and that's a perfect question for a rivalry matchup. But this coach, he got his ass kicked his first game. He could have, he could have, they could have teed up Scott Satterfield to, so yeah, it's the last time they'll be doing that because we're gonna, you know, I'm just like it, it, it was a it was a question worth asking. He couldn't deny that he didn't, he, you know, he had an issue with it. But I was told that he he was responding to somebody that had just ran up to him before he met with Stoops. Now he could, you know, he knows maybe he's asked about it before the bowl game, and he says, yeah, they were doing that that whole game, and that's different. Like, he could go full with his name, the coach at Texas. He could go full. Tom um, yeah, you go. He, uh, why can't I think of his name? Tom Herman. Yeah, he can go full Tom Herman and look like a little. I mean, that was that's the worst look ever. And if he does that, I'll call it like it is. That's a terrible look to claim that you're, you know, you know. Because I've always been inside. Hey, if you don't like it, then stop it. And I mean, I'm not even saying his defense, if it was in fact just a player, was something he should have done. But I do think that is different than just being mad about players doing. It. Now, again, we'll never know because unless he's asked about it, he won't have to comment on it. But I was told that it wasn't necessarily like he just was angry that the players were doing it during the game. He just has, and, and, and I, again, I do think that's different. I mean, you saw, you know, Tom Herman's a great example because of how sensitive he is. Drew Locke was doing something after throwing a touchdown pass in the bowl game, and then Tom Herman decided to try to mock him. With, you remember that game, the Texas Missouri Bowl game, where of course. it was Locke versus Tom Herman? Like, I don't think we're getting there with Scott Satterfield, but. Um, we'll never know. The best thing, you know, the worst part about the whole thing, and it's, it's nobody's fault but Louisville, is that they lost bad, and yet the optics of what transpired at the handshake made it look like, hey, leave us alone. You beat us up bad enough, which is a terrible way to take a loss in a rivalry. By the way, not to uh, change the subject, but Tom Herman, um, tough day for Tom Herman. He He is still the head coach at Texas, but as we're recording, I'm kind of just browsing social media he has fired his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator today. His defensive coordinator, Damn. yeah, defensive coordinator Todd Orlando was at UConn when I was there. When UConn was rolling in football, 
Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so... Uh, I she was a good hire when it happened. Yeah, I mean, listen, they won 10 games last year. Uh, it fell apart this year. They went 7-5. and five. Uh, but yeah, I, I only bring that up because maybe Tom Herman shouldn't be worrying about horns down. He should be worrying about you know making a stop or scoring exactly. a point or whatever. Um, I did mention Lynn Bowden. I know they're your rival, but you got to admit, man. I listen. As I know that the schedule wasn't incredible, but I would counter to that that they played Georgia really tough. They had a chance to beat Tennessee in that game. It was you know f- you know first and goal or whatever it was, and I bring that up. Because I think it's one of the coolest stories of the season. I tweeted it out the other day. I really believe it is that, look, Ed Orgeron's going to win SEC Coach of the Year. But, and, and, you know, Tennessee fans are coming back. Oh, Jeremy Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt. For Mark Stoops to lose his top three quarterbacks, basically turn a converted wide receiver, and I know he played quarterback in high school, but a converted wide receiver and run the ball the, as much as they do. I think it's just like a crazy cool story. The thing I love about that this story is Kentucky kind of figured out what their identity is. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. We're going to win every game except for the last two, 17 to 14, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think it's a cool story. I know that you're a rival. If you don't want to say it, it's fine, but I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't dispute that it's, it's interesting that they've been able to just say, hey, we're going to do this for the time being. Oh, shit, it's working. Let's keep rolling. Um, because it was working, and it's working now in a way to where it's insane that opponents know what they're doing and they simply can't stop it. No better proof than what they did at Louisville. Um, you know, I, I, I still think it's bizarre how it played out with their backup who got hurt, who literally almost led them to a victory against Florida. Yeah. And then he got hurt and then got healthy, and they just decided to roll with Bowden. And, you know, I want to remind people what they did to Louisville is not what they've done to anybody else. You know what I mean? Like they've. Like they've not, you know, they've not been able to make it look that good against a team that look. People can clown Louisville, and if you want to, that's fine. But Louisville was the Louisville to this day is the best team they've beaten, and that doesn't prove anything. And I mean, that is, that is, I guess there's no way for me to actually prove that. But like, I feel like that was a statement quicker than yesterday. To where now, yes, I would say, damn. Not only did they make this change and roll with it, it's working because it was dominant against Louisville. But you know, they. Vandy had an easier time stopping, and we know Vandy's bad. Um, so, I, in no way, in my whole post game show on Saturday afternoon was not discrediting Kentucky in any way because they lined up and they dominated at every stretch. But I think that Lynn Bowden, the character and the person that he is, I think makes it even more, you know, that, that adds to it because he's a guy that apparently almost didn't come back to Kentucky because he became a dad, didn't know what he wanted to do with football. And, and he actually didn't play well as a receiver this year. I think he, some of that had to do yeah. with it, going through the issues they have with quarterback, and then he embraced the the role as quarterback. And you know they lost to uh, a couple of teams, um, and he you know said, "Hey, stick with us. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get it figured out. We're gonna rally. We need you guys more than we've ever needed." And sure, certainly, it's worked out to where I don't know who they're gonna play in a bowl game or what bowl game they're gonna play in, but I have a tough time thinking somebody's gonna be able to stop him enough because they control the clock. And it works. And honestly, I'll tell you this, Aaron, the one thing that really stood out to me more than anything, that just from a, you know, uh, from a non-fan perspective, those, everybody who lines up on offense, that's not a fun offense to play in unless your game is limbo. That can be literally. It, and, and, but they embrace well, it. They love it. They wouldn't, they're all in on it. It's not as if these receivers are mad that they're not getting any catches because Bowden literally ended the season as a leading receiver. And he hadn't caught a pass in September. So, I mean, it's, it's that that to me stood out more than anything. I'm 
trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to talk about this on the postgame show as my rival is kicking our ass. It blew my mind that when he's running for touchdowns, receivers on bum, they're not, you know, they're, not, they're, they're as happy as anybody. And I think that kind of attributes to what you mentioned about just the story is pretty, is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. First of all, I do want to apologize for calling it the Commonwealth Cup. I don't know what I I've been. I was hosting radio till two a.m. I was up early doing uh, other stuff for this show, so I apologize. I well, you don't need to apologize because here in this state, there's a lot of people, including myself, that have actually tried to promote it being changed to the Bourbon Bowl, not the. Oh, okay, little Bobby Boucher. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. It Makes sense though with the Bourbon State, right? I know. No, I get it. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, the Governor's Cup. My apologies. I think I said the Commonwealth Cup or the Commonwealth Trophy. I apologize profusely. Uh, but Nick, that's it, man, dude. It's uh, been an hour, man. Can't believe that we, uh, you know, back in the saddle, man. It's like we never left, dude. So I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, congrats on your personal success, your professional success. Nick, of course, is the host of uh, the the Red Zone. It's been a long time. The Red Zone. 790 KRD in Louisville, 7 to 10 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Uh, you can follow him at the Card Connect on Twitter. Nick, dude, I know we say this, and I know we said it like, you know, six months ago, the last time we hung out, but like, yeah, let's do this again soon, man. All right. Let's not. Let's do it, man. Let's not go let's till another I'm, I'm, two months. I'm game, man. All right. Again, Nick Coffee, 790 KRD in Louisville. I'm going to hang around to talk a little college hoops. Thank you to Nick, and I will be right back right now. All right, I want to thank Nick Coffey for joining me. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Nick's the man. It's been a long time. It's been probably far too long since I've had him, so I do appreciate him coming on. I do appreciate him talking about the rivalry game, some of the stuff that happened over the course of this weekend, and I do want to tr transition to some college basketball. Now, before I do, a couple things. The first thing is um, I've mentioned it on previous episodes, but please, guys, if you wanna, if you're going to the CBS Sports Classic, so we're gonna do our first ever kind of meetup, get together, whatever of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, and details are still coming together. But here's what I can tell you: Las Vegas, December 21st, the CBS Sports Classic, Kentucky plays Ohio State, UCLA plays North Carolina. The day before the game. I am going to be doing some sort of get-together for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for listeners of this show. About a dozen of you, maybe 15 of you have already responded saying you'd be interested in coming. If you want to be part of that, if you want to have just something to do in Vegas the day before the CBS Sports Classic, if you're going to be in town, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Send me an email, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com because we are going to do something. And I don't know all the details just yet, but I want to get a group together, a number together to get to this restaurant. It'll probably be at some kind of bar, sports bar, probably have some drink specials, maybe some apps on your boy AT. And so it's going to be really fun. And so I want to know about how many people to expect. And if you're going to be in Vegas and you want something to do, again, hit me up. Uh, find find a way to connect with me. Let me know that you'll be there so that I can keep you on a list and I can keep you updated. I should have details in the coming week or so. But as we get set for that, I do want to let you know that we will be doing something and I want you to be part of it. So hit me up again, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com on Instagram, on Twitter, and just let me know, hey, AT, I'm going to be in town, would love to be part of your thing, it's going to be fun, etc. All right, as I told you last episode, and really two episodes ago, a week ago, 
is that we are now coming off Feast Week. Feast Week is, I would say, the second or third best week of the entire college basketball season where so much stuff happens over the course of a five, six-day period, really starting last Saturday, Sunday, through Maui, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We had the battle for Atlantis Wednesday through Friday. And so it was just a great five or six days of basketball. I did talk a little bit about Maui on last week's episode, so if you missed the Maui stuff, I talked a lot about Dayton and a lot about Kansas. Go back and listen to that episode. As for this episode, this is what I want to do. Rather than going tournament by tournament and, you know, hey, uh, UNC's uh, uh, zone offense was awesome. Like, that's boring, right? And the one thing AT tries not to do ever is be boring. So I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to steal a little bit of a segment from my buddy Colin Cowherd. I know some, <laughs> I know some of you guys don't like Colin. He's been critical of some, some guys, including John Wall. Many people still hold it against him. But Colin does something fun every Monday on his show. If you don't listen to his show, he does something fun where he basically does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And what that basically is, is it's a way for him to recap the last weekend and basically say, hey, this is what I got right. But also, this is the stuff that I told you that was going to happen that didn't. I'm an idiot. I'm going to own this. And so I think I'm going to do that for college basketball. We're going to do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, and kind of use that to recap Feast Week. Recap everything we saw in Atlantis, a little bit of Maui, some on Kentucky, which obviously didn't play in a big tournament but looked good anyway, Arizona, etc. And so let's start with where Aaron was right. And I was right on the University of Michigan. So I'll tell you this. Michigan, there's a very good chance that come this week, the new, the new poll, Michigan's going to be in the top five. And that is, of course, because they are coming off a win at Battle for Atlantis where they beat North Carolina and they beat Gonzaga to win the title. And it's a shout-out to Juwan Howard. It's a shout-out to this program, which hasn't missed a beat after John Beeline left last offseason. And the one thing I did say, I was a little hesitant on Michigan coming into the year. But the second week of the season, they played Creighton. And when they played that game, I said, man, this team looks exactly like they did uh, early. They they look exactly like they did under John Beeline. They haven't missed a beat without this guy. And I remember tweeting it out and some people saying yes, some people saying no, some people saying it's too early. I said, listen, man, this is a real team. They play well. They're really smart. And it looks like that's exactly who they are. And look, I don't know what the ceiling of Michigan is relative to whoever, Michigan State or Duke or North Carolina, you know, three months from now, they did just beat North Carolina. But what I can tell you is this, Michigan is a real team and they look a lot like the John Beeline teams. And like I said, is I think that's a credit to John Beeline. I think it's a credit to Jawan Howard. I also think it's a credit to the players. It's just a group of smart kids that knows what they're doing. If you watch them, again, they look a lot like last year. They move well without the ball. They're playing at a high level. And there's enough guys left over from last year where I do think they're continuing to just kind of build on what was already built. Xavier Simpson still the point guard. John Teske still at center. Uh, Isaiah Livers on the wing. And this is a team that is going to continue to do well going forward. All right. Where Aaron was wrong. I think I got to own this one, the Kentucky Wildcats. So after Kentucky lost to Evansville and then struggled against Utah State, I was really critical of this team. And the reason being is that they weren't looking very good. And so it's really funny how how different um, a week or two can change things. But I was very critical of the team. 
And what I don't think I realized at the time following that Utah Valley game was just how banged up this team was. If you remember the Utah Valley game, that was the game where Emmanuel quickly didn't play, where EJ Montgomery didn't play, where um, Ashton Hagen still wasn't close to 100%. And then a funny thing happened. Everybody got healthy, minus Nate Sestina, who we talked about last episode, but everybody got healthy. Ashton Hagens is back close to 100%. Emmanuel Quickly's playing. EJ Montgomery's playing. And they've looked really good the last three games. They destroyed Mount St. Mary's. They destroyed Lamar. They did struggle a little bit with UAB, but let's be honest. They were up by about 16, 17 points late in the uh, second half. UAB kind of cut it close towards the end. But Kentucky won convincingly in the last three games going away. And what that shows me is that I was wrong. That when this team is fully healthy and 100%, they are going to be just fine. I would add, I think it was a totally positive sign that Kentucky got 16 points out of EJ Montgomery. As I said on last episode, with Nate Sestina out, it is now on him to kind of step it up to be the guy that he claims to be. He thinks he's a first-round NBA draft pick. He tested the waters he wanted to declare last year. If you're that good, now is the time to show it. All right, where Aaron was right. The Arizona Wildcats. Okay, so in the offseason, I basically said, like, look, I don't know if I buy this Oregon hype. Every other national media member said, Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. And I said, they got a lot of weird moving parts and grad transfers and freshmen. I said, I'll take Arizona. I'm not saying that Oregon isn't good because they are. But I said in the preseason, Arizona was the best team in the Pac-12. They look like it. I actually saw them play Sunday night in the Wooden Legacy, and they beat Wake Forest. And I'm not saying that they're on par necessarily with uh, Louisville or a Michigan or a Kentucky or a Duke, and they're going to win the national championship. What I am saying, they're the best team in the Pac-12, and Nico Mannion is every bit as good as we thought he was going to be. That is, of course, Arizona's freshman point guard. He hit the game winner against um, Pepperdine in the first game on Thursday night of that tournament. He had 24 against uh, Penn in the second game of the tournament, and this guy is the real deal. He just, he just has such an incredible poise about him, control to his game. I don't even know who I can equate it to. It's a little bit of Steve Nash. It's a little bit of, um, you know, Luka Doncic, where he just has complete control of the game. I love watching him play. And in my opinion, Arizona remains the team to beat. All right. Two rights, one wrong. How about another wrong? No one owns being wrong like your boy AT, where Aaron was wrong the University of North Carolina, and Cole Anthony. Look, I picked Cole Anthony to win National Player of the Year in the preseason, and I still stand by that pick, but the reason was because I really felt like, outside of Cole Anthony, these guys really don't have anybody. And I I, I think part of that was right. I do think the grad transfers that they were counting on to be kind of wing scorers, Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce, those guys aren't there yet. And I've told you many times on this show my theory on grad transfers, I don't buy... Um, that most grad transfers are ready, willing, able to step up and uh, kind of contribute at, at the level. So if you're a grad transfer from a small school, I think it's a big adjustment to go to a North Carolina or a Kansas or a Kentucky or an Arizona or a place like that. But what I don't think I was right on, what I think I missed on, the big guys are better than I thought. Garrison Brooks, who is basically the only major returnee off last year's team, is averaging 13-8. and eight. Armando Bacot, who was the other big-time freshman along with Cole Anthony, is averaging 12-9. and nine. He had 23-12 and 12 in the third-place game of, of the Battle for Atlantis where North Carolina beat Oregon. And I bring that up because if those two guys play well, 
and Cole Anthony continues to do what he does, I think this is a very dangerous team. I think this is a legitimate top 10 team all year. First, second, third, somewhere in the ACC right up there with Louisville, with Duke, with Virginia. Whatever the case may be, I just believe that this team is probably a little bit further along than I thought. I'll do another wrong because, again, nobody owns it. Where Aaron was wrong. How about the Auburn Tigers? Bruce Pearl's club, I'm telling you, here's the deal, is in the preseason, I kind of thought to myself, okay, I like Bruce Pearl. We all like Bruce Pearl. I mean, come on, you can't not like Bruce Pearl. But this is a program that lost arguably three of the most important players in program history, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, and Shumo Kiki. And I kind of just said, like, look, I think they'll make the tournament, but I don't know that they're going to be that good. Well, hate to tell you, Auburn, as I record this on Sunday night, Auburn is now 7-0. Their last four wins have all come by double digits, and they're coming off a trip to Brooklyn where they beat a really good New Mexico team by 25, a Richmond team by 14, and they've won all four of their last four games by at least 14 points. This is a real team. This is maybe the second. They're, I think we spent so much time arguing Kentucky versus Florida in the SEC. I think it might end up being Kentucky versus Auburn. I really do. AT totally whiffed on Auburn. They are a real team. They are again going to be in competition for an SEC regular season title, an SEC tournament title, and I was 100% wrong on this one, where Aaron was right, the Memphis Tigers. Okay, so (laughs) I don't know if you know this, Penny Hardaway is a little bit of a polarizing figure. I get it. I get why if you're a Tennessee fan, if you're a Kentucky fan, if you're not a Memphis fan, you do not like Penny Hardaway, and we can't deny that NCAA rules were broken with James Wiseman. But the one thing I said is all along was that I believed that he was a good basketball coach. And what I mean by that is this. I understand he comes from the AAU ranks. It's easy to rip him. But what I always said was he brought a lot of good players to his AAU program, to his high school program, and now to his college program. And I didn't believe that he could do all of that simply because he was a former NBA All-Star. Patrick Ewing's a former NBA All-Star. He isn't recruiting at nearly the level that Penny Hardaway is. And I truly believe that all of those parents would not put their kids in position to play for this guy if they didn't believe that he was a good coach, that he could get the most out of them, and that he could potentially get this team deep into the tournament and his best players off to the NBA. Why do I bring that up? It's because Memphis went to Brooklyn on Thanksgiving Day and beat the brakes off of NC State. NC State, of course, coached by friend of the Aaron Torres pod, Kevin Keats. And they did it without James Wiseman and without, I think, their second best player, Lester Quinones. And so other guys stepped up. DJ Jeffries, the former Kentucky commit, looked really good. Um, Boogie Ellis had 21 points for Memphis. And you look at that team, and I'm telling you right now, that is a real team. They are really well coached, and I really do believe that they are the type of team that is going to, when they get whole again, when they get James Wiseman and Kenyonis back, that is a team. They're a legit top 10, top 15 team. I don't know where they'll be because they're going to take some losses during this time and where their seed will be. I can't tell you all that stuff. What I can tell you, they're good and they're only going to get better as they get healthy. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, Gonzaga. I thought Gonzaga lost way too many pieces. I thought they were just a team that they were just going to struggle. Listen, when you lose two first-round draft picks, Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark, and a fifth-year point guard, Josh Perkins, you're supposed to struggle. Gonzaga is not Duke. They're not Kentucky. They don't generally lose two first-rounders, 
three guys drafted overall, a four, a fifth-year point guard, and not take a step back. Only there they were in Atlantis. They beat Oregon. They played Michigan pretty tough. And I'm telling you, this is a real team. Killian Tilly, their best player who was hurt in the preseason, looks healthy. He looks like the guy that was once projected to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, Philippe Petrosev is their other big guy who's playing well. They got good guard play. This is a team, man. Look, they got a tough schedule coming up. They still play North Carolina, Arizona, Washington in the out-of-conference slate. But this is a team. If you love Gonzaga, if you hate them, they are going to be in the top 15 all season. They're going to get a high seed. They're going to make a tournament run, and they are better than I thought. All right, that was good, right? That was fun, right? Listen, I don't know if I'm going to do it every Monday, but I think it was a fun way to kind of break up some of the college basketball stuff rather than going tournament by tournament. Just kind of tell you what happened, how it happened, and why I liked certain teams the way that I did. Let me know if you like it. Let me know if you hate it, but I think that is how... Uh, I'm going to handle this college basketball segment, and then we'll be back next this week. I should mention, later this week is going to be an incredible show. If you're not subscribed, you better make sure to subscribe. We have the Big Ten ACC Challenge this week with some great games. North Carolina, Ohio State, Louisville, Michigan. I'm recording Monday night before the, I'm, I'm recording here Sunday night before the new AP poll comes out. That might be number one versus number two. That would be insane. Um, we're also going to get Michigan State Duke, so there is going to be a lot to recap on the next Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So again, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to this show. Make sure you're subscribed, and we are going to ramp up the college hoops coverage now that college football is basically done and it's going to be a fun couple months, man. We are now in the heart of college basketball. I love it. This is my time to shine. Uh, I feel great. I feel great. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure to rate and review the show. Please give us a quick five stars if you don't mind. Also follow on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions. And again, if you're going to be in Vegas for the CBS Sports Classic, please let me know. And we are doing a, a, a meetup. There will be drink specials. There will be bar specials. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want everybody who wants to be there to be included. Probably about a dozen of you have reached out. Uh, let me know if you're going to be there because we are going to... One thing AT does, AT throws a bomb party. That's what he does. He's wrong on Gonzaga. He's wrong on Auburn, but he throws a bomb-ass party. So let me know. That is all for today's show. It was a heck of a show. Really fun show. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. I will be back this week to recap the Big Ten ACC Challenge and Hoops to preview the college football conference championship games. And that is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig, the Australian legend. And I will be back later this week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.